in Atlanta, I had a friend who invited this guy. He's like, he's going to come to our workout. I was like, cool. So it ends up being this guy named Jesse Itzler. And we do this like hill event at his house. And I was like, these people are crazy. But I was like, this is so cool. And I had never like thought about doing an ultra or anything like that. And the first year we did it, David Goggins was there. And I was like, this guy is like (laughs) from another planet. So I think it was more so like who influenced me. And then I was like, oh, I can do really hard things because you never look at anything the same. Welcome to the Train With The Best Podcast. I'm Craig Hoffman. Chris Gores on vacation this week. He and the fam off for spring break. But great episode on deck. Just got done chatting with Meg Takis, who is a running coach, amongst other things, out of New York. She is awesome. Uh, If you want to check out her website, runwithmeg.com. She's got programming and all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, And I think after our conversation, you'll want to. You'll see that she's super smart. And when it comes to strength training for runners, if you're looking for someone online, uh, one, she's got incredible resources on her Instagram page. And two, she's someone who clearly knows what she's talking about, which is exactly why I wanted to have her on. I've been following Meg for a while. Actually, funny story. I met Meg, God, at this point, like three, four years ago. Um, I guess I could go back and look in the archives because we met at Performance House. It was like episodes, I think, 90 and 91 of this podcast, which next week gets to episode 200. Uh, We met at Performance House in New York when I went to interview... uh, Lauren Kansky and Meg Hayden. And there's a bunch of other trainers there, obviously, all the trainers at Performix House, uh, many whom I followed and some of whom I'd interacted with, uh, but got to meet Meg, got to meet Angela Gargano and and so many of the other awesome trainers that have gone through Performix House uh, or went through Performix House when it was open up there. And uh, I reached out to Meg a couple weeks ago and was like, hey, I'm thinking about a lot of running stuff and you're as smart as anyone I know on that subject. By the way, we met a couple years ago. I don't know if you remember, She's like, oh my God, yes, I absolutely remember. Uh, and I would love to come on. And so she, she's going to be our guest here in, in two minutes. But uh, why, why did I want to do this pod? Um, simple, simple explanation. I'm working with a lot more runners now. And as my clientele has shifted, as I moved into DC, as longtime listeners of the podcast know, I lived in a DC suburb for a long time, was working with a lot of general population clients whose strength training was kind of their main thing. Uh, some athletes, youth athletes who had a sport and a lot of the sports were soccer or a couple of football, you know, basketball, different, different sports as the clients and, and everybody rotated through based on the season. But at the end of the day, when I moved to DC last fall and my clientele started to change over, I had a lot of people whose main sport, if you will, was distance running. And so training them really challenged my mind of, and some of the things that I knew of, am I able to apply the exact same kind of training that I have been doing with my sport athletes and the people who strength training is their main dish, if you will, as part of their, their fitness meal. Can I apply that to distance runners? What else do I need to be doing specifically for distance runners to ensure that they're successful? A couple of things that I keep in mind before we get to everything with Meg. One, mobility is extremely important. And that starts at the foot. If someone has bad big toe mobility, there's going to be a ton of problems up chain. Um, we didn't get into a lot of mobility with Meg, which is why I wanted to touch on it here in the intro. But I've had this problem myself where I've had 
major shin problems that then get into my knee a little bit that emanate from the fact that my big toe didn't have the mobility on the back end of my stride to be able to get up and out. And so making sure that, you know, it could be as simple as just rolling your foot out with a golf ball or a tennis ball or a lacrosse ball before you go for your run. Uh, or it could, if you've already got some kind of limited mobility, it might be something that requires a little bit of physical therapy or whatever to correct. Um, but making sure that you have mobility first through the, the big toe and the foot, then your ankle mobility, obviously you want your knee to be stable, which is where you get into a lot of the strength training and a lot of single leg work that is required, uh, as a strength training or as strength training for a runner. Uh, and then your mobility at the hip is super important. Uh, obviously there's some upper body stuff as well, uh, in terms of your, your spinal mobility and stability, depending on which part of the spine we're talking about. And obviously you want your shoulders to be, uh, mobile, but you have to be able to control them to be efficient in your running stride. If you're watching on YouTube, you're not getting to see me do a mock running stride. I probably look like a total doofus, but that's fine. Uh, not the first time and frankly, won't be the last time. Uh, so mobility is, is huge, uh, in this session, make sure that you're not only working on mobility for your runners for when they run, but that you're doing the mobility at the beginning of your strength training session so that you open up full range motions while you're strength training. So you can truly strength train a full range of motion and you're not working within a limited range, which then leaves, you know, holes when they get out there and, and do their runs, whether it's the speed work or ultimately the wrong long runs or the comp the competition runs when it gets to race day. Um, single leg strength is enormously important. Um, challenging that stability, uh, whether it's dynamic movements or dynamic loads, that way it's not just like, yes, you do want to do rear foot elevated split squats with a weight, but can you also do some split stance work where you have a med ball or a kettlebell and you're doing chops so that there's a changing center of mass that your body has to find that stability for. There's all kinds of different ways you can challenge. Obviously, I'm not going to, I can't, one, I can't, and two, it'd be bad business to give everything away for free. But uh, th those are some of the things that you should be thinking about in terms of maybe slightly different challenges that you, of course, want to give any athlete. Because at the end of the day, we all need 95 to 98% of the same exact stuff, but you might just put a heavier emphasis on for a runner. Uh, and then the, the big question that I was kind of left with, with Meg are questions of tempo frequency and kind of sets and reps your volume. Um, not just in terms of like, do you want to put a lot onto someone's legs, but is doing a five rep strength set, something that is necessary or important for a runner, or is that kind of a waste of time? And should we be focusing on higher rep ranges that are super rhythmic and in that way mimic some of the, the functions that happen in distance running? So Meg, I'll give away a little bit, said that she tends to work a little bit higher. I still think there is a lot of value in high-end strength, um, but at the end of the day, I actually really like an analogy for both the running and the strength training that Matt Wilpers uh, gave the other day. I was actually doing a run. I've been doing a little bit more running myself uh, recently, uh, and I've been using Peloton's runs uh, as a way to mix it up. So obviously, I can go out and do my own interval, but especially as the weather's been crap in DC, I've been doing a little bit more on the treadmill, and Peloton's runs are really good. They've got good instructors at Peloton. They're really, you know, I know they've had some some struggles in the business department. Uh, there's been some stories out there, but like at the end of the day, like they're a super successful company that's hired really high end people. So, you know, use what's there. Why not? Why not afraid to be or why? be afraid to be coached. I'm not. Uh, and Matt Wilpers is as good as they have in terms of the technical stuff. And, and I thought this analogy that he had was fantastic. Um, he talked about running and strength training being a pyramid. 
right? You have your base down at the bottom and then you have a slightly more intense incline in the middle and then your finest point on the top. And that bottom base is your long runs. It's your, your standard volume that you have underneath you that you know, like, hey, if I need to go out and run three miles, five miles, 10 miles, depending on what your distance is, can I do that? And that's the kind of stuff that you train most often but it happens at a much lower intensity. Then you have your middle kind of distance and intensity. And then at the top, you have your sprints. You have your high end, which you don't do nearly as often, maybe just once a week, maybe even once every other week, depending on your training plan. But they are the most intense in terms of you know speed, for instance. The same is true, I think, when I think about, especially for distance runners, weightlifting. Do you have the most of that volume building, that metabolic, that basic strength that's not super high end, you're not pushing the most you can possibly push, but you're pushing a decent heavy amount that is sustainable over time, but not pushing you to your absolute limits. Then you have stuff that's a little more intense above it that you train not quite as much, but still with some frequency. And then every once in a while, you push and see how, you know, can, what's your PR? Like, can you actually push a one, three, or five rep max? And that's going to happen every so often, uh, but again, happens with the most intensity, in this case, not speed, but weight. And so thinking about that pyramid, I think is a really good way to think about training, uh, both as a runner and as a weightlifter, and especially as a weightlifter who is a runner or a runner who's a weightlifter. Ah, we've come across a, a, a mixing here. Which are you? In a day, you're an athlete. So train like one. All right. With that thoughts for me, that's enough of that. I already told you, I, w- I needed someone with a, a higher level of expertise. So let's bring her on. Here's Meg Takis on the Train With The Best podcast. The Train With The Best podcast is brought to you by Super Coffee. He's got three brand new flavors from the favorite part of your breakfast pantry or the breakfast part of your pantry. From They're awesome breakfast flavors. That's the point. Blueberry muffin, delicious. Cinnamon roll, sign me up. Caramel waffle, ho. Let's party. Same amazing nutrition profile. 10 grams of protein, MCTs from coconut oil, all the good stuff you anticipate and have come to expect from Super Coffee. Plus, amazing new flavors that are the perfect complement to the perfect breakfast. And you think about all these things, your muffins, your cinnamon rolls, your waffles covered in delicious gooey caramel, and you're like, yeah, like that's delicious, but that's maybe a Saturday treat. That's, that's a lot of sugar, and that's, that's not what I'm looking for. Well, it's super coffee, so that means it comes with zero sugar. They're basically magicians over there. I don't know how they do it. I'm just glad that they do. So if you'd like to enjoy these flavors or any of the originals, go to drinksupercoffee.com, use the code TRAINWITHTHEBEST. That's TRAINWITHTHEBEST for 25% off your first order at drinksupercoffee.com. Blueberry muffin, cinnamon roll, caramel waffle. Get them all at drinksupercoffee.com using the code TRAINWITHTHEBEST. The Train With The Best podcast is brought to you by Jaku. If you're a runner who does track days, which as we will discuss in just a little bit, should be you if you're a runner, the Jaku speed system is an essential part of your training. Sure, you can have your little stopwatch or whatever and get inaccurate hand times all the way around the track, or you could pick up a Jaku speed, and if you're out there on the track running around, you can get laser accurate timing that's going to be consistent week over week, rep after rep, year over year, time and time and time and time again. Now, 
I said it's laser accurate, but this isn't a laser system. It's actually Bluetooth based. Yeah, it runs on your phone, which means the cost is a lot more affordable than these really, really high-end fancy laser FAT systems. Instead, all you gotta do is wear a little watch. It's got a sensor on it and set up your phone at the finish line. You tap the sensor, it gets armed on your first movement, the clock starts, and when you eventually pass your phone, which is set up at the finish line, it records your time. Well, what if I'm running an 800? Well, okay, set it up to capture twice. You run around the track, 400 meters, you get a 400 meter split. You come around again, you got your 800 meter split. You wanna do a mile and get your 400 meter splits each every time? Bam, you can, all with the Jaku Speed System. Now, if this sounds pretty great, what if I told you you could get it at 20% off? You can, you go to jaku.com slash discount slash TWTB, as in train with the best. That's jaku.com slash discount slash TWTB. Meg Takis is our guest today. Meg is a trainer out of New York, and that is the the shortest way I can intro her. She's a contributor to all kinds of amazing uh, different platforms. Uh, She just wrote an article recently for Whoop's website. Uh, She's recently featured in Women's Health, which is amazing. Congrats on that. I know that was uh, super meaningful for you. Uh, And Meg, thanks so much for coming on, and and welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, The short version of my story, I moved to New York seven years ago, like, took out a loan was like, you know, the fitness industry is really trending digital. And in Atlanta, it wasn't really like that. So I moved and started coaching CrossFit, like figuring out what I was going to do and then ended up helping start an audio fitness company where I got probably what 2016 got really back into running. So I kind of took all the CrossFit elements, kettlebell stuff I learned and put it all into running to kind of form my own brand. That's awesome. And and the reason I wanted to have Meg on, we were just talking about this before we started recording, is I've been working with a lot more distance runners lately. And we see so many sport athletes who later in their life, they stop playing their sport, they retire, they get into running or find running as that outlet. And, And so how does the strength training differ between what you might do as a football player, a basketball player, a baseball player, tennis, whatever it is that your sport may have been growing up or when you were younger into to training. So we'll get into that as we go here. Um, but how did you, you kind of touched on it there just a second ago, but like what was appealing about distance running to you? Well, for me, I ran track in college. So it was always about speed and pain for my school. So it was kind of like something I had to do. So when I took a break, it was kind of like a mental release. I was in a transitional point in my career, and I was like, let me just go on a run to just brainstorm and use that forward momentum and everything else. And that kind of turned into like taking the focus off being competitive and put it more on like mental health and just seeing like how much I can do. So distance for me was like, you know, every step is raising your physical and mental baseline. And that's the same work ethic that I started using and, you know, building an app, everything. So when you started running, you said you were doing some CrossFit and that kind of stuff. Like, were you, have you always had the strength training and the running side together for your own personal fitness? Or did you, as you started running, like, okay, I'm going to be a runner now and maybe dropped off on the strength side or like, how, how did the, the marriage of the two come together in, in your own personal fitness journey before we get to coaching them? Yeah, I think it was really through learning technique with running. And I actually did this like combine camp in Atlanta 
where we trained all these football players. And I was like, some of these elements are the same thing that runners should use. And I think runners try to think about like time on their feet. And if they gain muscle, it's going to slow them down. But I noticed that I was like really prone to injury. So for me, cross training was like not only something I enjoyed doing, but something I had to do if I wanted to run. <laughs> Cause like, right. Yeah. I changed my form and like mechanics over the years. I got a stress fracture and then I was like, you know, some of these CrossFit Olympic lifts and kettlebell swings, like isolated movement, all that stuff is exactly what runners should be doing. And nobody in the industry is talking about cross training for runners. Like if you look at marathon plans, it's all, you know, eight miles for long run, but like, where's the strength training for power and injury prevention? So let's dive right into that. The, the volume element, and this is something I think I battle as a trainer, not only with runners, but I, I struggle with this so much. And Chris and I have talked about this quite a bit because he, he, his client base is the same uh, on this front. Like youth athletes who playing, let's say, high school soccer and their ECNL. So they have like a club team and a school team. They're right. practicing sometimes twice a day. They've got impossible number of games on the weekend. And then they come to us and they're like, I want to get stronger. And you're like, aren't you tired? Like, <laughs> how, how do I possibly justify putting significant volume or load into your legs when you're doing this much? So when you think about, let's say even something as, as heavy as a marathon training plan where you're already putting a lot of volume into legs, on like a macro level, how do you approach strength training volume with distance running at a high level? And it's something, you know, let's say half marathon to a marathon. Uh, like for me personally, I'm training for a Ragnar race in May. Hopefully it goes well, but I feel like I purposely put my long runs after days that I'll do heavy lifts. And by heavy, I mean like I'm not doing lunges. It's, you know, big fundamental movements, back squats at, you know, 135 or so. And then I feel like the next day there's just a lot more power so I think with running, it's not that you have to like keep the same volume for each thing. Like it has to be a set number of days or I have to run this much. You want to use strength training to overall like complete any kind of run with an efficient manner. Because if you're just running, but you're not doing it right or with the right power, you don't get as much out of it. So you can kind of reduce miles if you implement the right cross training. That's really interesting, too, that they, they work together um, the way you program them. Is there anything in terms of avoidance that you would do? Like, don't like I try to and this is kind of why I wanted to have you on. Like, I, this makes sense in my head, but I wanted to, to go to someone who has a higher level of expertise um, on this specific subject. Right. If I know that my client is going to do an interval run tomorrow where they need to be have that faster pace, they need to be able to generate a little bit more force. I'm not necessarily going to put the heavier lift the day before where I might be more keen to doing that the day before a long run. Like, hey, you're going to. like, yeah. yeah, it's a longer run, but it's going to be easier in terms of your effort level. Like you'll be fine. Go run it out. So how do you you know, if you're going to pick a day to do something heavy, would you generally avoid that before a, a more intense like interval run or a speed day? Yeah, like I would always put or for myself, at least for this training plan, the heavy, heavy days are before like two hour runs where your heart rates at, you know, 150, no pushing. But usually I'll set it up like Monday is intervals, 800 meter repeats, whatever, you know, speed work. 
lift, do like some kind of mid-distance run, and then the long run, because it kind of builds up to that, whatever, it could be two hours, 20 miles, (laughs) it just depends. But yeah, I wouldn't do, I usually don't program high volume or any kind of like metabolic conditioning uh, before something like half mile repeats. So another thing that I've been thinking a lot about is the kind of the, the sets and reps, basically, um, the, in terms of how to program those. Because for, let's say, football, right, you've got, or even volleyball, like basketball, these are all burst sports. So the idea of going quick and powerful for a very short amount of time is on some level mimicking the, the needs of the sport. Well, if your sport is ultimately race day, you know, just consistency over time, that like, obviously everyone can use speed and power, but there seems to be that you would need more repeat rhythm type of something in your training for that. Is that something that you try to implement in the weight room? And if so, how, or do you just say like, that's, that's what the running training is for. And I don't really mess with that thought in the weight room. Yeah. So the goal as a runner is to not like, I'm not so concerned about reps or exact sets. It's more so having the right movements in the right order. So it's, you know, I'll have some days where it's super heavy back squats mixed with like a plyometric movement to work on explosiveness. Cause when you run that force production, like anything I pick up from the ground, I want to be able to lift heavy weights cause that translates into, you know, your foot strike when you pull off the ground with running. So a lot of strength training is more so mimicking your running stride, but taking the mechanics and using weight with it. So I think it's so, less about like how much you do and more about what you do. What about tempo? Like how much do you think about tempo in the weight room? So with endurance runners, like even if I I say lift heavy, like usually people think that's, you know, five reps or so, but with running, you want to be able to still have that metabolic element. So I try and usually do 10 set reps of everything and then mix it with some kind of explosive movement to kind of get that muscle exhaustion. So the more, you know, you build up glute medius, hamstrings, the less fatigue I'm going to feel at hour one on a, you know, two hour run. An analogy I've always used um, that I think helps clients uh, that I'll I'll throw at you and see what you think of it um, is the idea of stress on a muscle, right? And so what I would say is like, you know, like you're saying, like if if your hamstring is stronger, each step is is causing less stress. So if the world's strongest man were to pick up a 500 pound weight versus I would try to pick up a 500 pound weight versus 110 pound, you know, five foot three woman, female client tries to pick up a 500 pound weight. It's the same 500 pounds me and the female client probably aren't going to be able to move it at all. The five, the world's strongest man is going to be able to pick it up. Like it's nothing. And so, but it's still 500 pounds. A step is still a step. The stronger you are, the less stressful it is. Is that, that, that hold up for you? Yeah. And I think with runners, it's interesting because I'm less concerned about, you know, how much you can lift because you'll notice like if you take a lot of big, not a lot, but some, you know, big time athletes that can do these, you know, huge lifts and stuff. And then you ask them to balance on one leg while catching a tennis ball. And it's like, oh my God, what? Like, have I ever done this? So I think it's, it's also, you know, doing the right exercises that translate to muscle growth in the right places to prevent injury. But at the same time with running, it's a lot of, I mean, you're on one leg a hundred percent of the time. So you want that isolated stability and there's so many elements that are overlooked with just like, you know, stationary movement. 
that was actually gonna be my next question what do you think is like are the biggest mistakes that trainers make when training runners or that runners make when they're training themselves Ooh, that's a good question i think what i see with people not so much novice runners but maybe like people who don't really do strength training they think like push-ups squats like you know the very basic things and i i don't think there's a there's not a whole lot of like training certs for learning the mechanics of running and if you know there are but they're not talked about it's more like you always see barbell mechanics kettlebell workshops which is great but i think more trainers need to you know take some kind of course or cert on the actual mechanics of the stride cycle because when you see it you're like oh that's a single leg deadlift or the triple extension translates to box jumps, you know, whatever kind of thing. But you don't think about that unless you either do the sport or have knowledge. The Train With The Best podcast is brought to you by Momentus. Momentus provides the absolute best recovery tools that you could think of because they provide things that help you sleep and help your body heal. So whether you're a runner, a weightlifter, both another kind of athlete, you need to have a regimen of supplementation to maximize your performance. Here's what Momentus offers. One, elite sleep. It's a supplement that you take every single night that no matter how much you sleep will help you get more out of your sleep. Things to supplement that, magnesium, vitamin D, best taken before sleep. Get up in the morning, take your multivitamin, on your way, about 30 minutes before your workout, you take a momentous collagen shot or a little mini shake with some collagen in it. And then when you're done, your recovery protein. And you can get that all from Momentus, and it's all going to be at the highest quality available of all of those supplements on the market. And by the way, I didn't even mention their secret weapon, the PR lotion. You got to try it. It's truly amazing. So how do you get your hands on all this good stuff? Simple. You go to livemomentous.com, you throw it all in the cart, and then when you get to the checkout page, you enter the code TRAINWITHTHEBEST25, and then it all comes to you at 25% off. And guess what? If you did it right, you set up a subscription order. Then it's going to come to you on a regular basis. You don't even have to remember to order it, and you'll never run out. And those refill orders, they're not full price. We didn't get you. No, those are 15% off each and every time. TRAINWITHTHEBEST25 at livemomentous.com. Get your regimen up and going and watch your performance take off. The Train With The Best podcast is brought to you by BlazePod, the number one reaction training system for all levels of sports and fitness. What does that mean, reactive training? Well, it means that BlazePod, what it actually is, what is a BlazePod? It's a light that can be programmed to light up any number of different colors. It can be on touch. It can be on random time intervals. You can program this series of lights in a variety of ways to do reaction training, to provide a visual stimulus for your athletes to do any number of movements. Could you have them slide to the, the light? Yes. Could you have them slide to the light if it's blue and run if it's red? Yes. Could you have them slide if it's blue, run if it's red, and not react at all if it's green? Maybe even run the other direction. You could. You could do all of those things. And that's what's great about it. It's great for all levels of complexity. It could be as simple as touch at something that lights up. It could be decision-making. It could be used, I mean, literally. The possibilities are endless. And if you download the BlazePod app, it's got pre-programmed ideas. It also gives you the ability to create your own. It's just the perfect 
visual stimulus reactive training system. It's why we love it so much. We were using it before they were an advertiser. And now that they're with us, we can't wait to share BlazePod with you. So much so that we got a discount for you. Of course we do. Hooking you up 15% off. Go to blazepod.com. Use the code TWTB at checkout. That's 15% off. Blazepod.com. The code is TWTB. Think of the kind of drill work and, and things that you're talking about. Is that something like where do you put that in your training? Is that something that you do as part of warm up with your running? Is that something that you use as part of warm up in the weight room? Do you have a day where you do you know like running drills? How do you plan? Like how do you you've talked you touched on it a lot? So obviously uh, it's something that's really important to you. So I want to dive in on it, double click on it if you will. Like when do you take the time to work on the actual mechanics of the running versus all right now my focus is strength training. Now my focus is just like being fast or not thinking about my stride at all? I think like the more experienced you are as a runner, the more you can kind of really let go of pace and kind of really focus on, you know, if I implement this foot strike or extend my leg this way, it's kind of intuitive after a while once you get strong in the right places. But I mean, as far as like plyometrics and agility, that's more warm up stuff. So you always want the warm up to mimic, you know, your stride cycle. So I'd say like footwork, fast twitch, that kind of stuff, warm ups. And then, like I said, with, you know, heavy lifting, it can be coupled with something uh, heavy just to work on muscle exhaustion. Um. Do you do any track work still at, at this stage in, in your training? Um, I'm guessing there's also probably an additional layer layer of, uh, I don't know, of mental strain that if you were a college runner and a college track athlete, yeah. because uh, the, the hellishness of, of those workouts probably sticks with you a little bit. <laughs> um, but do you still do any kind of track speed work? And, and how do you work that into to what you do? Yeah, and I think that's another thing a lot of runners overlook because you think you just need miles and time on your feet, which you do. But it, it works the same way with strength training. Like the, the stronger I get, the less I have to run, like the less I have to do to get to a certain level. So with speed work, I do it like two, three times a week. I should go to the track more. A lot of it ends up being on the treadmill, especially if it's, you know, raining outside or something. But yeah, usually they're like two mile repeats, mile eights and fours. And then I also dedicate one day a week to just hill repeats like running up a hill 90 seconds, slowly jogging down, just like 20 reps. How has your training evolved over the years on, on all of these fronts? Like you start running, you're doing the CrossFit thing, you're just going on a run for like kind of your mental health to plan out what life is going to look like and what your, your athlete career or athletic career is going to look like. How has that evolved and, and what are some of the, the really useful things that you've learned along the way that you always find yourself coming back to? I think it was really like getting into distance running and just like doing things that you don't know if you can do it. Like it's less about what time I get running the 800 and it's more like personal transformation. Like after I do this huge ultra race, you know, how am I going to feel like everything is elevated. So in Atlanta, I had a friend who invited this guy. He's like, he's going to come to our workout. I was like, cool. So it ends up being this guy named Jesse Itzler. And he, we do this like hill event at his house. And I was like, these people are crazy. But I was like, this is so cool. And I had never like thought about doing an ultra or anything like that. 
And the first year we did it, David Goggins was there. And I was like, this guy is like <laughs> from another planet. So I think it was more so like who influenced me. And then I was like, oh, I can do really hard things because you never look at anything the same. That's interesting because I still look at people who do ultras. I'm like, y'all are nuts. It's nuts. Why, what, what is, what, why, why would you run that far? Why? Like, at what point did you get over that and be embrace that? Like, this is something that not only I can do, but that I want to do. I think it was when I was like, you know, the work ethic I have in these workouts, whether it's lifting heavy, running far, that work ethic translates to everything else I do. So I find that like the weeks that I'm really active or I'm in a training cycle, my whole work is like way more productive. Like my mind is thinking like more clearly. So I think that's what keeps me accountable. And it becomes less about a sport and more about like medicine. What's your favorite race you've ever done? Oh, God. Hell on the Hill is pretty good. It's so fun. Which what's I'm not actually familiar with that one. So what is that? So one? that's Jesse's charity. So every okay. person gets a thousand dollars. You get to like stand up, say what charity you're giving it to. But it's a hundred hill repeats, and it's absolutely like at the top of the hill, you could just put your hands down. But it's just it's it's really fun because like who does that? <laughs> so it's you meet all these like crazy people who not crazy, but. 90% of them are entrepreneurs. Everyone's just there to just like expand mind and body. So I think that whole experience uh, led me to do my first ultra, which was also like running in the woods in Maine at 2 a.m. Like who can say that they've ever done that? It was just like a moment where I was like, oh my God, you feel life totally different. So I think those two are probably my favorite. I... I cannot say that I've run in the woods in Maine at 2 a.m. I know. A lot of people <laughs> like, can. Yeah, I, I see you. You don't look like the type of guy. <laughs> hills uh, or any the woods in Maine at, at 2 in the morning. How, would, how do you try to describe that feeling? Because I imagine it's part exhilaration, but probably also part terror. Like, as you're running through the woods in Maine at 2 in the morning, is there like an element of fear where you're like, what am I doing? Like, yeah. Does that ever hit you? Oh, there's moments throughout it where, like, I cried, I was angry, like, you get happy, you start thinking about, like, whatever, listening to live concerts, you just, like, totally go through all these phases where you're like, oh, man, but you also wonder when your body's going to quit, which is why preparation, even for ultras, I was in the gym lifting two, three times a week, because that's the scary thing, when you get to, like, mile 60, is my knee going to hold up, and... I mean, I tore my meniscus in, what, February last year and immediately opted out of surgery and was like, I'm going to fix this with strength training. So I think the scariest thing is like just making sure you're prepared, which is why like training plans and programming is so important for people that are doing like really taxing things. All right. A couple quick hitters on the way out. Um, one, session length. Because that, like, whether it's for CNS reasons, whether it's for muscular reasons, like how long you're training in the weight room versus how long you're doing your runs, like those two things have to marry up in some way. How long is your average weight training session from the moment you get in and start warming up to whenever you finish your last set? I'd say probably, so if I go three times a week, one week will be at home. I have kettlebell, barbell. That's going to be like the start of the week, which is not a lot of weight. It's like mostly like strength mobility. So I'll do overhead squats with an empty bar working on, you know, 
kettlebell stuff with isolated movement and then the next day will be a little bit heavier and I typically do that after like a shakeout run uh and the like barbell heavy stuff can I'll probably do like four circuits I program it usually before I go uh one day is really focused on pulling from the ground so like cleans deadlifts that kind of stuff and then that's usually the day before the long run because I find the most power after I do some kind of heavy pulling from the ground and I think that triple extension when you lift stuff it translates to the you know back leg and your stride cycles in full extension so you want that Mm. ankle knee and hip flexion in your strength training movements and then usually one day is kind of like a toss-up I'll do like a 20-minute EMOM just for like metabolic conditioning but still it's pretty heavy like I don't lift any 10 15 it's all like 35 and up so you're talking maybe that 20 minute day and then the other stuff is 45, maybe 50 an hour at the absolute longest. Yeah. So I'd say the first day with, you know, building like empty bar stuff, range of motion is probably about 45 minutes. The heavy days an hour and then, you know, the toss up days kind of depends on whatever kind of metabolic conditioning I want to do. Especially as you get heavier into your cycles of not only weights, but the heavier volume of running. How do you decide when it's time to push through and when it's time to rest? Like during a run? I would say like, you know, you get up, you get ready to go on your work, your run, or you get ready to hit the gym and you're just like, I, I feel often, maybe you're whoop, you have a low recovery. Like what, it, what is like, once you're in the workout, I'm guessing, you know, you can always bail, I guess, but thinking more like before the workout as you start to get going and you're kind of doing that self-evaluation of where you're at on any given day. Yeah, I can kind of sense if, if I have any kind of pain, like, knee pain or IT bands super tight, I'll just dedicate the day to kind of working through that. But I usually don't bail. I'll either kind of take the mileage down or lift a little bit lighter. Uh, You know, just like I program for my clients, I program for myself. And, you know, the plan doesn't always go according to plan. But I think if I do bail, it's it's only because of pain. If I feel super tired and fatigued or if I have like a 9% recovery, I won't even attempt. But I dedicate those days to just less volume, maybe higher reps, not, you know, super taxing stuff. Right. And the reason I wanted to ask that is because I, I think it's important to for people to hear like someone like you say that is, you know, cause the people get so married to this plan, like, no, I have this running plan and my race is on, you know, April 18th. And if I don't do the workout on March 2nd, exactly as it is on paper, there's no way I'm going to be able to hit my time on April 18th. And it's like, that's, that's not how this works. Like you can afford to have flexibility with your body, um, over time. Yeah. You need to, you need to stay on relative track, but like one data point being slightly off is not going to be the end of your goals. Right. And you can see with some of, you know, whoop studies they've done with recovery, you know, maybe I do stick to that 18 mile run on a 9% recovery, like I'm going to feel absolutely terrible. And that should be no surprise to me. So I think like, letting go of, you know, so much concentrating on I have to do this on Monday, you also have to be in tune with your recovery and how your body feels. And that's also, you know, such an important part of programming. If if I'm programming the right strength training before the right run and you do your job and get the kind of, you know, sleep you need, then you get the, you know, you get success and you want to stick to that, but not every day is going to, is going to feel great, especially with running. There's, I'll know like a mile in a run, like, oh, this is going to be a terrible day. <laughs> like have to just like <laughs> slow down, but 
yeah, this is going to be pretty awful. Yeah, I think we've all had those runs, uh, some yeah. of us more than others. Um, <laughs> last but not least, best piece of advice you've gotten on this this journey that you've had as a fitness professional and as a runner yourself, like what's the what's the best piece of advice, maybe something that you've gone back to, something that you tell clients a lot uh, as you try to pass that on to them uh, over your journey? I just think a lot of this I learned through Jesse too, you know, just – kind of using workouts to raise your physical baseline, but also your mental baseline. So for me, it became more of an outlet. And I want to take the focus off, you know, calorie counting and more so like the mechanics of things, doing the right movements and teaching people that, you know, this isn't something you you have to do. It's something you get to do. And if you do it right, it's it's really fun. And it's not like something you have to dread or I mean not every day you're going to look forward to it but it, it keeps you more accountable once you kind of make that correlation no doubt all right if people want to get more from you what's the best way to do it Instagram are you still rolling on the app like what what, what should people know if they they're like I I think she's super smart and I want to I want to get more from her where can they go I think Instagram's the best and I've really tried you don't see a whole lot of running coaches out there talking about you know the kettlebell side of things or so I think I offer a lot of free tools to people that may not otherwise have access to them or know about them. So I think uh, my platform's mostly an educational platform. Like, here's the movements you should do, and here's why you should do them. That's great. And your Instagram handle is? Meg underscore Takis. There we go. Uh, at Meg underscore Takis on Instagram. Uh, again, she just wrote some stuff for Women's Health. Uh, she just wrote a great article for Whoop on how to taper uh, for marathon training. So make sure you go check all that out. Uh, next week on the podcast, episode 200, Superstar Mailbag. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. I have a lot of questions in. We're looking forward to that. Chris will be back from vacation. Meg, thanks so much for coming on this week. And uh, we'll see everybody next week here on the Train With The Best podcast. Thank you. Thank you.